the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me are Ollie Cole and Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And, um, and guys, I mean, well, obviously we're here to talk about British wrestling, but before we get into that, the G1's coming to an end this weekend. And I mean, I know you've both been watching every show. I mean, Holly, how's this, uh, been, how's this year been for you as far as the G1 goes? <laughs> well, you say I've been watching every show, but I've been trying my best to avoid A-block shows. <laughs> That's been a bit of a, a black hole, but B-block has been absolutely fantastic. Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenny Omega. One of the best matches ever, maybe. Um, and certainly in match of the year contention, definitely the signature match of this year's G1. Um, but obviously we still have Budokan coming up, which will be very, very exciting. And obviously the collision of Omega and Ibushi, and obviously the final the day after. It, it's all been very exciting in the B block and in the A block. Well, at least we're getting Okada Tanahashi on Friday. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's kind of, it It really has. I mean, people complain. Uh, I think it, it almost feels like a yearly thing where people say, ah, oh, it's not as deep as last year. But as far as great matches go, we've had as many as, as you normally get. It's just, yeah, like Ollie said, the the stink of that that A block and the, the shena- endless shenanigans does make it hard. I'm doing a, a podcast for Indie Corner about it all, and it, I'm trying to watch every match, but it's so tough with that A block. But hey, it's a good problem to have. It was kind of cool. The World Cup ended, and then G1 started. It <laughs> kept me busy, keeping an eye on me. Uh, be post wrestling pickums. Uh, I did notice I, I was doing really well. I was, I was right at the top early on, and then on the last um, post audio show, where he was trying to look for my name in the list, and he couldn't. Oh, no. That's how bad I'm doing. Uh, I don't think I'm going to win the thing now, unfortunately. Uh, but hey, at least that opens it up to one of the listeners. Uh, see, I'm a bit of a cheater. I can't. I'm not bothered about like uh, spoilers or anything. So I'll look what other good matches and then just watch those after <laughs> the fact, so everyone else can watch the full show. So uh, I mean, before we get into the British wrestling stuff, predictions. I mean, uh, Ollie, who do you think is going to win the uh, G1 this year? Um, I believe it will be Okada defeating Ibushi in the final. Um, obviously, picking like an Ibushi or in the past a Shibata to go and win the block and go to the final has always been like the thing people laugh at because it's what we all want but never happens. But I don't know. I just don't see Omega beating Ibushi. I don't see that match not being for all the marbles in the B block. So, But I don't think he's going to win the whole thing. I think that'll be Okada going to the Dome because he is the ace and that is where the ace belongs in the main event. Yeah, I think my, my initial prediction was Naito. It's still possible, but we're at that point in the G1, aren't we, where everyone's doing really complicated maths to work out what the actual <laughs> possibilities are. He is still alive. It still could happen, but it would take a, a, an upset and it would take a, a Bushi beating Omega. Um, I don't know. I, I'll maybe stick with that for now. Maybe, maybe Naito could still uh, win the whole thing, but uh, I do think, yeah, I think Okada will be in the final with whoever it is and yeah, maybe now I'm switching a little bit more towards that. But hey, if I'm going to make any more points back up in the pickums, I need Naito to step up. So let's uh, <laughs> let's just hope for that. So come on, Naito. But uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> moving back onto these shows. Um, first up is Progress. They uh, held their Chapter Seventy Four Midweek Matters. Um, just as this, uh, the last. Uh, 
edition of the show dropped um, on the 25th of July at their usual venue of the Electric Ballroom in Camden. I mean, this was moved to a Wednesday night due to a scheduling conflict with the WWE UK show in Cambridge the weekend before, but uh, we'll discuss more on that later. And uh, the first major news from this show was that Progress will no longer be using copyrighted music. I mean, they've tried uh, fighting for it, but um, alas, we're back to the copyright-free stuff. I mean, Benno, it's not the end of the world, is it? But it affects the overall presentation of the product with this copyright-free entrance themes. Yeah, it really does. I think it's it's just part of the the aesthetic and the feel of progress was always the fact they run those music venues and the great mu- music entrance music, mm. the iconic entrance music of the wrestlers was was really important, and it was great that they brought it back for this this short period. It was a nice surprise. I kind of just thought it would they'd stick with the creator themes, but I think we're in an even worse situation now because they can't even use the, you know, the some of the the themes that they've used in the past, even the you know the generic ones they weren't using the hot tag media stuff. Mm. We kind of gone to a level further down generic now which just makes me think just dub it i was never a i was never one pushing for the wxw model of progress but at this point i just wonder why they, they wouldn't go that route and just use the music for the house and dub it but uh, i don't know maybe uh mark davis has got the right plan he came out listening to his own theme music on his uh on his, <laughs> on his iphone so yeah he, he's got it right um but yeah it does hurt uh, it's a silly thing but i do think it's a big part of progress and yeah, credit to them for, for trying to bring the music back, but we're, we're back to square one again with them. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm never a big fan of uh, dubbing over it. But yeah, when like you said, when it's some of the themes that we're uh, getting on this show, mm. yeah, you, you kind of think perhaps they should just dub it out and play the, uh, play the copyrighted music for the live crowd. But, but anyway, I mean, the big match from this one was the Progress World Championship, Walter taking on champion Travis Banks. I mean, going into this one... Uh, before I knew the results, I was maybe a bit concerned that there'd be another screwy finish. I mean, to go in line with what's been happening with Travis Banks uh, for the past few months. Uh, but we got a clean finish here with uh, Walter picking up the title. I mean, I enjoyed this match till the final stretch. I thought there were uh, a few too many shenanigans. TK Cooper interfering and then Tyler Bate running out. I mean, but the right result, I think, here, Ollie. Yeah, the the actual result and finish of the match did get a good pop. Like everyone jumped out of the their chairs, and it, it got a good visual for Walter holding up the title. Obviously, it happening on a Wednesday wasn't ideal because it, it did not create a lot of buzz in real mm. time. Um, but I think that's more to do with the Travis Banks lame duck title reign that he's been horribly mismanaged, and they probably should have done this months ago rather than now um they tried to stick it out and turn it into something else and i wouldn't really put the the blame on banks here like he's generally performed well and Mm. done what he can with it but yeah like as you say the shenanigans here felt very kind of low rent um and like not really much heat on the actual shenanigans yes the the result and the title change got a pop but i don't think people were like that into tk cooper running in and all the the chair nonsense and even before that i thought like there wasn't a lot of heat on Banks as a champion and people weren't desperate to see him lose the title. Like when him and Walter, you know, had a sequence and they both went down at the end, you know, it got the, the golf claps, the polite applause, <laughs> you know, people weren't like kind of salivating for Banks to lose this one. So yeah, it's unfortunate how Banks's reign turned out because it definitely promised a lot more than it delivered. Um, and, but they finally cut their losses um, and but putting the belt on Walter as they head into into the run-up to Wembley is certainly a right move. He can definitely main event that show, no problem, and have a banging match for the title there. Mm-hmm. I think it was the right thing to do. I think 
me and you, we talked about it, didn't we, earlier in the last show of, of this title reign of Travis Banks just desperately needed to end. I mean, you mentioned there about people wanting to see him lose. I think people were desperate to see him lose the belt, just maybe not in the right way, not mm. in, like the, <laughs> in the way that was intended, just in a way of just end this title run, just end this endless, you know, the shenanigans you just mentioned there, all the TK Super stuff and the, the count-out stuff. I was convinced that we were getting more shenanigans here, like you mentioned, it being on a Wednesday. I didn't expect there really to, to be a title change here. So, yeah, I don't know. Part of me is glad that they at least got it over with. Um, as a match, I thought they did. I think Walter's got a, a real, you know, he, he's walking around winning everybody's belts at the moment. Yeah. And it's always, you know, a big match when he's in the main event. And it did feel big when he won the belt. Wally mentioned the pop. And uh, it did sound on the VOD like one of the, the louder pops that they've recorded in the ballroom. So you could say from that point of view, it worked. Um, but yeah, it, it was more a case of, Let's just all be glad it's over with now. And I never thought I'd say that about a, uh, a Travis Banks uh, world title one in, run in progress. It, it started so well, just a combination of booking and, you know, some of the, the layouts of some of his matches kind of led us to, to this point. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's good to, to freshen things up. Uh, put the putting the belt on Walter will maybe it'll free Travis Branks up to to freshen himself up again because he had become very much a a comedy heel in progress. Um, still someone who, who in isolation, even in matches like this, I'm watching it and there are individual moments like where he, he kicked out at one, which has you know become a, a t-shirt slogan for him and a silly <laughs> thing he plays on in isolation as a moment in the match. I kind of liked it pay, playing into the finish, but overall to be the world champion and to, you know, to carry a promotion, it, it just doesn't work when you're being, you know, early 2000s comedy heel Kurt Angle. Uh, it just, it's it's not it's not the best look, really. And I do think, yeah, that I like Travis Banks, but this was, you know, the right thing to do. Take the belt off and put it on Walter and we can start afresh. And yeah, I'm relatively excited for the, uh, for the Walter title run to come. I think that there are things you could do there. Um, it's just whether they give him a long one or whether the Tyler Bates involvement in this match is, is an indication of maybe they'll be going in that direction. But yeah, long time coming this, and I'm, I'm just glad we got there. Yeah, because I'll, I'll second that. I'm a, a big fan of Travis Banks. But um, I remember a while back on the show, Benno, you were talking about uh, Travis Banks doing a Bret Hart in WWF and being a fighting champion and taking mm. on all comers. But then the heel turned up and we got all these sort of screw finishes and shenanigans. I mean, we were also invested in Travis sort of like uh, about 14 months ago and he was having a fantastic run. And then we saw uh, shades of that in the uh, WWE UK event from uh, Royal Albert Hall. And um, I still think he's great in the ring, but this title reign hasn't been the best for me at all. I mean, obviously on another note, he's uh, he's sadly injured his shoulder. I mean, not sure how long he's going to be out for, but he had to pull pull out of the Progress USA tour and uh, you would assume the NXT UK shows in August so um, I mean obviously it's really bad for him that he, he can't wrestle but perhaps it might be good for him to be away from Progress for a while I don't know what you think about that Benno yeah I think that's probably yeah he needs freshening up I mean I don't know if if I'd bring him back as a babyface at this point, um, I don't really know. You know whether you put him back in a team with TK when he when he comes back into things. But yeah, it's not. I mean, obviously, an injury is always bad, and obviously, wish him well. And you know, he's a, like you said he's a wrestler I've always been a fan of. He's a wrestler, surprisingly, who I much prefer the WWE presentation of him. And I do think maybe the early progress title run here is a big part of what got him on that WWE radar, but. Yeah, it's just a, 
I don't think we're any of us are really negative on Travis Banks himself. It's just a, it says everything about the booking of of him as champion. I think if any promotion starts with, like you mentioned, a, a fighting babyface like Travis Banks, and then ends up in the situation we were in where they had to turn him heel because mm-hmm. of booking him in a silly three way feud with TK Cooper and, and Chris Brooks, and just the, the way they handled him was just really really poor. Um, and I think most of that blame goes on the promotion. So yeah, I think there's pressure now to see when they do bring him back do they do they keep him in this comedy heel role or do they try and freshen things up and to be honest i don't really know what the the right answer is i wouldn't say this title runs ruined him it's definitely got his name out there but there's certainly been uh, some damage done to him compared to you know who he was in in progress canon this time last year and also on this show uh, so something that you guys discussed uh, in detail on the last show at the beginning of the whoever wins three matches in a row will get to main event the Wembley show and for this first match uh, we had Chris Ridgway taking on Eddie Dennis taking on Mark Haskins taking on Pete Dunne I mean this was super fast-paced. All the guys getting tons of stuff in, went at lightning speed. I mean, I liked Haskins doing the double arm bars. And, um, but, I mean, the result was quite strange. Uh, seeing Pete Dunn pick up the win here, Ollie. Yeah, not sure what to make of this match. It felt kind of more like um, an angle match with um, Mark Haskins getting attacked by Webster and Boar. Um, yeah, like, the result... Pete Dunne winning, like, they want to keep Pete Dunne strong, like, <laughs> he may not even be able to lose, um, at least not by a pinfall, um, mm. at the moment, being the UK champion, mm. but yeah, I don't think anyone's really buying he's going to be winning this free and in thing, like, it's it's all very haphazardly explained, and unless you're following, like, the Progress Twitter account avidly, you, there's, like, no, you have no idea of who's actually doing what in it so it's you know after the u.s tour things might be a bit clearer on it but uh yeah I, it's very difficult to get into that i'll just wait for it to kind of play out because you know i'm not hardcore progress fan so i'm not you know looking up the excel chart excel spreadsheet of who's who's won what and how many matches they're having so yeah this kind of just from a layman's perspective was just a match and had a very funny angle at the end with uh haskins hitting Webster's helmet, <laughs> his his like plastic helmet with a wooden baseball bat, and it nothing says so hard man like that. <laughs> <laughs> so naff. Yeah, that that whole setup is just that was kind of this match was a just a culmination of just a lot of people who were, were slotted very weirdly in progress at the moment. I think. You mentioned I mean, Pete Dunn going over here. Uh, they kind of tried to tell a story, didn't they, with him and Ridgeway? But you never believe that Ridgeway is actually going to be pinning no. the, the <laughs> WWE champion, who often in progress feels like the proper champion. They're building up this big match mm-hmm. with Ilya and and treating Pete Dunn as he's you know as the top guy when he's not in progress. But that's just kind of it is slotting at the moment and. Yeah, you mentioned the Haskins stuff. Haskins is just in a really awkward position in that. Think he's a babyface now. Um, after that really confusing uh, turn, that kind of heel turn, turn, kind of that we talked well, about. He yeah, the heel turns on the heel. Yeah, and then you have got Vicky Haskins trying to be a babyface. It just none of it really makes any sense. Um, and then Eddie, De- Eddie Dennis is in this match. You mentioned the the three and in series, Martin, and you know Eddie, me and Ollie on the last show were raving about. You know, oh, Eddie Dennis was he come back to progress and he refused to wrestle. Got to get himself DQ'd right away in his match mm-hmm. in Birmingham, and that was going to be the story. But they've had to panic and put him in this three and one, three and in, and now he's part of the story rather than concentrating on mark andrews it's just yeah it's all very confusing at the moment and yeah this match felt very much like a accumulation of that and just uh, maybe highlighted a, a few of those issues going on right now 
And speaking of confusing, we had two matches in the uh, Thunder Bastard Tag Series, which is obviously, we've discussed before, it's the most uh, convoluted concept we've ever heard of. But um, here we are. I mean, the new tag team of the 198, rather, Flash Morgan Webster and uh, Wild Boar Mike Hitchman defeated Aussie Open. And then uh, in the other tag match, we had the Grizzled Young Vets beat No Fun Done and uh, Super Santos Jr. I mean... With these results, it uh, seems that the 198 team, rather, real difficulty <laughs> saying that, apparently, uh, are leading the uh, the table for this uh, Thunder Bastard Tag Series with uh, eight points after having only one match, Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> despite only having one match, inexplicably, they're, they're going to come out last because reasons. <laughs> As I say, this is the, the Theseus's ship slash sugar babes, depending on how up, um, how you know fancy pants your your analogies come come <laughs> from. Um, tag team of progress, um, you know they've stolen the points off of Havoc and Haskins because when they started this, Havoc and Haskins were the top heel team, but they got they got bored of that, and now <laughs> it's Webster and Boar. So yeah. <laughs> it was very difficult to get down with the, the Thunder Bastard series um, to start with, and now, yeah, they've sort of made a mockery of their own tournament, which um, isn't unfamiliar ground for progress. Uh, no. Aussie Open have at least done some good stuff in it, though. Like, it's been a good excuse to get them in loads of matches, and all their tag matches are really good. So I can't really complain about seeing lots of Aussie Open. I just wish it was for something more substantial, especially <laughs> since Mark Davis won the... <laughs> who won the Natural Progression series and they've done nothing about that. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just like, you could easily forget that because of, yeah, it's just, I don't, like you said there, Ollie, why would, I just feel like progress should probably learn at some point that as a, as an indie, it's so hard to lay out long-term stories like this and long-term tournaments. And it just, they're having problems with injuries, they're having problems of their own making with having to change around the booking, and also the problem of, yeah, just these matches, I just, I find it really hard to care. I mean, there's been some goings on in America that have made it a little bit more interesting, but overall, when these matches come on progress chapters, it's just like, like we said last time, what are they fighting for? Does it really matter, the order uh, of this big Thunderbuster match? Uh, I don't think it, it's it's as important as has been laid out by doing all of these matches over and over again it's just yeah i almost feel like and they are very much filler on progress shows and they kind of feel that way um yeah we've had a couple of solid matches uh and like ollie said we got to see davis and fletcher you know they were decent here against the 198 the anti-fun police were solid in their match against the grizzled young vets although them coming out as baby faces was a bit of a head scratcher for me now in progress um yeah it's just a way to to fill cards isn't it uh leading up until the big show and we are in that this low point of of progress at the moment um and this you know taking up two matches on a card i don't think is helping either yeah it just seem it does seem like to i mean a lot of listeners might go oh, you're just being overly negative on progress but this happens seems to happen every summer doesn't it you have a fantastic mm. super strong style 16 then they lay out all the matches for whatever big show they're going to have after the summer and then they fill the summer with all these shows and and, and just seem to be treading water and then come up with these convoluted things i mean the atlas the original atlas tournament oh. the uh, women's natural progression and they all it's kind of like they get bored of it after a while and go oh, well we've got to throw this together so it might seem like we've been negative and obviously there's still some good wrestling on here but it, it's just that there's just too many shows isn't there Raleigh? <laughs> mm. 
No, yeah. we we call a spade a spade. If <laughs> if something's good, we'll we'll hype it, and if something's bad, we'll say it. <laughs> We're certainly not afraid of that. Um, but yeah, I've kind of it's kind of been always the meme now for a while. But winter progress is much better than summer progress because they do they weirdly get tunnel vision, but also not like they've got the big done Dragonov match about to happen and they haven't really built up to that at all but <laughs> they undercard they they obsess over <laughs> it's it's, mm. it's kind of strange it's um yeah it you know it's got its audience certainly um mm. but <laughs> yeah when when we're not the the people who you just blindly love everything certainly yeah i mean i'm i'm a big i mean i, I like pro, like the progress at least attempt to do these stories that's you know i will try and defend them where it's got merit but when one of your big summer stories is having tk cooper in the atlas division that just says it all about summer progress (laughs) billing shows it's just yeah it's we are really in that in that lull period and it does seem to to happen every year i don't know what the answer is really um they were obviously trying a big big build big things for Wembley. Some things have fell apart that aren't, you know, particularly their fault. But yeah, again, it's just aside from the main events on the show, it is hard to get uh, excited about a lot of what's going on. Mm. And uh, you brought it up there, the uh, Atlas title match from this show, the uh, one I knew you were really looking forward to, Ben, uh, was a champion Doug Williams taking on TK Cooper. And I mean, the, the actual match itself was nothing to really write home about. And so... Doug retain re- retain the championship, but um, at the end of the match, Trent Seven came out and cut uh, a pretty good promo, saying how he was uh, supposed to have trained alongside Doug Williams, but he, he never made it to the training seminar, and his career kind of took another path. And, and now he's here to challenge Doug for the Atlas Belt at Wembley. I mean, I, I really like this at the end. I mean, Doug's obviously been playing up his aging veteran, having one last hurrah in uh, the big promotion in the UK, and I think Trent's a perfect opponent for him here, Ollie. Yeah, this is the best bit of the show, actually. And who would have thought it, putting a mic in Trent Seven's hand and <laughs> something good happens. And what I especially liked about this was there was no shtick involved at all. Like, this was just Trent Seven cutting an honest promo. Like, he wasn't playing up the Triple H or WWE thing or anything. It was, you know, it was a proper story. It was building a feud, and he played it really, really well. He was nice and like nothing but nice to Williams and he did he didn't like go evil at the end it wasn't like a pantomime it was just like yeah I'm gonna beat you and <laughs> retire you and you know he, he wasn't being a dick about it he was just you know being honest and I really liked that and that's sort of what progress was good at and they've maybe gotten away from and gotten a bit more pantomime WWE now was yeah they would have sort of more logical heels and like obviously Jimmy Havoc was you know an insane uh, super villain but further down the card people like Paul Robinson they were a bit more grounded in reality and I think that's what they're doing here with Trent Seven you know he's not twirling his mustache well he is sort of but um yeah exactly it's it's a build that I can really get behind and they've obviously lost two key matches from Wembley and that absolutely sucks for progress through no fault of their own, you know, they've, they're have they down two big matches. Uh, this is obviously not as big a names as Osprey or Sabre Jr., but, you know, they can really build something up here and have, a, you know, a decent, you know, third or fourth match from the top here and give Doug Williams a proper send-off. I haven't really been into the story with Doug because I, I guess it just doesn't resonate with me as a, a, a young'un. But, yeah, if they can build it up for one last hurrah against seven... I mean, it's an interesting match. It gets seven away from 
uh, British Strong Style bullshit where he's just spinning his wheels. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it's kind of like I wouldn't have predicted really. I was looking at this Atlas division, and you know, we mentioned the TK Cooper stuff. It didn't seem like there's a lot of challenges around, and I think although you know they're trying to tell a good story with Doug Williams, there just aren't the challenges around to do it. And tra- moving Trent Seven back into the Atlas division does pique my interest a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a uh, definitely interesting from that point of view. And yeah, as you both said, does give uh, a bigish match for Wembley, uh, and they need them at the moment. So um, another notable match from the show was uh, Ginny beating Millie McKenzie via tap out. And I mean, I'm really surprised they put this match on so soon, uh, Millie taking on Ginny, and it had it such a decisive victory over Millie. I mean, obviously there was interference from the House of Couture, but um, I just felt babyface Millie looked like a bit of a fool in this one, Ollie. Yeah, one thing that I thought of when I was watching Shotgun for this show, which we'll talk about in a minute, was they actually gave Millie McKenzie some mic time to introduce herself and to a new audience and like she wasn't a, it wasn't an amazing promo or anything but it was just sort of natural to you know introduce a new character yeah. in that way <laughs> and progress did not never did that with millie mckenzie and she's just here because you've seen her in fight club pro a couple of times and she was popular there so <laughs> now she's here and yeah was never really built up as a, a natural challenger to Ginny. Um, and, well, yeah, she looks like an idiot for just bringing one woman backing her up when Ginny has three. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it was a bit of a strange match and it sort of tips their cap as to where they're going for Wembley, potentially, if they're going to be doing a an eight-woman, potentially, elimination match with mm. the House of Couture, who are, looked a hell of a lot like the Spice Girls <laughs> coming out for this one. If Candy Floss joined up with them and Nina Samuels dyed her hair ginger, they would literally be the Spice Girls. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there's an idea. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're going, eh? Because, uh, yeah, yeah they, both of the women's matches on this show were kind of built around that, weren't they? That, that potential, maybe four on four and yeah neither of them are really a huge amount to write home about and i think it's because of the fact with house of couture story is the progress women's division at the moment so it's hard to kind of yeah tell a, a convincing story or make your baby face like a millie mckenzie look good um when they're, they're clearly building to to something like that a match that's to me if it does happen feels like a get everybody on the card type of match uh but yeah just really i think millie mckenzie's got a lot to offer as a baby face in progress and at the moment probably mainly due to this story she's not really standing up from the crowd so yeah, I'd, be, I'd like to see a pair look a bit stronger on future shows. So, um, Progress are currently on a six-city tour of the USA, and as of recording the show, they're uh, two shows into the tour, having done Philly and uh, Melrose in Massachusetts. I mean, we're not, we're not going too into depth on these shows in case they drop on demand anytime soon, fingers crossed. Not like the Australia shows, but um, <laughs> massive spoiler warning here if you are waiting for these shows to uh, drop on demand. Uh, the big news was uh, that the tour bus actually turned up. <laughs> obviously i'm joking but um cck defeated the grizzled young vets for the progress tag team titles and then the next night in massachusetts uh kid lycos injured his collarbone and uh jonathan gresham will be taking his place for the remainder of the tour i mean only the huge blow to lycos he seems to be having the worst luck in the world for the past couple of years he only came back a few months ago and was looking to have a, a huge summer especially with this tag title win yeah, it's such a shame for Lycos because, you know, he's been through a lot of injury woes. You know, he's got his character down pat. He's got he's got the CCK stuff down pat and you just c- can't get any luck with with the injury stuff. Obviously, he's a, 
a tiny, tiny lad, like almost as small as I am. So I can relate to, um, you know, being downtrodden as the little guy. Um, and yeah, it, it's such a shame. But, you know, they do have the ready-made backup in Jonathan Gresham, uh, the original Calamari Catch King. So we'll see if that becomes a more permanent thing should uh, Lycos's injury keep him out for longer than the US tour. Yeah, at least they had that ready-made replacement. I think that does help soothe matters a little bit because I don't think this Thunderbastard series could could take, you know, then them now being champions and somehow being taken out. I think they've got a, a match coming up with LAX, haven't they? And it, it's all very complicated with, well, if LAX beat them, then LAX become part of the Thunderbastard series. <laughs> it's just making yeah. up as they go along. <laughs> <laughs> just good that they are Gresham there to step in. And yeah, as you said, really do. Heart does go out to a kid like us, you know, being out injured again, um, especially being in America where I'm sure the, uh, mm-hmm. the healthcare is not cheap either. Hopefully uh, progress are helping out with that stuff because, yeah, it is a really sad story that it does seem to continually happen to him. But uh, yeah, an opportunity for Gresham there. And he's someone who's, you know, he doesn't get a lot of bookings in the, the big indies. So I do think he'll uh, impress some people and maybe uh, some pr- surprise some people as well. Yeah, definitely. He's always been um, a good hand, hasn't he, Gresham? And he perhaps doesn't get the uh, props or uh, or appearances that he, he deserves. But yeah, definitely good to see him uh, replace him. And obviously, uh, thoughts with Kid Like. I hope he makes a speedy recovery. And uh, final progress now. I mean, we've talked about it a bit already, but uh, their biggest show to date takes place in just over a month's time. And uh, like we've noted before, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. have had to pull out due to their uh, New Japan commitments. Obviously, huge loss for this show as they're in two of the biggest matches. But um, still got Pete Dunne taking on Ilya Dragunov. We've got the Doug Williams v Trent Seven and then the Thunder Bastard uh, tag match. I mean, what else can you see being added to this one, Benno? It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, hard to say. I think I think for the, the title, I think we're heading towards... I think Walter and I think Tyler Bates got to be involved. And I, I don't know if Travis Banks is back. I can see a three way. If not, I can see someone in this convoluted three and in series, maybe making their way into the match, maybe a Matt Riddle um, who's been added to that series could be in there as well. Uh, but yeah, they're in, a, they're in a really difficult position. I think I could see now that they can't do Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay, I might've gone down the Paul Robinson route uh, just for a bit of uh, progress oh, yeah. nostalgia. But I think they're probably more heading towards something involving Haskins, Havoc and, and Morgan saying that Morgan Webster's in the Thunderbass series. So he can't really yeah. pay off that, that easy either. Maybe Havoc could do something with Haskins. Um, yeah, there aren't a huge amount of options there. I think they're just going to be reliant on, I think Eddie Dennison and Mark Andrews is going to be a big part of that day. I think that was probably a match that they, they might have, if they had the other big matches in the back pocket, they would have maybe blown that already now that uh, Eddie Dennis is, is healthy again. But I do think that, yeah, they'll be holding on to that one and hoping that that will be, you know, the big long-term match that they've got there because, yeah, it's uh, it does feel like a bit of a scramble right now. OTT have got a, a show that exact same night now. So I, I do wonder about if there's a couple of wrestlers who could uh, maybe be working OTT or there could be problems with which of those two shows they work. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think that card, as you said there, I think that's going to be the, the main backbone of the card. And uh, it's really going to be a, a question. You know, we were all, I was relatively positive on the fact that, okay, it's ten, are they going to do 10,000 people? Maybe not. They'll do close. But Buzz does seem at an all-time low right now with progress, um, at least in, in the build to this big show. And I just don't see people being very excited about this Wembley show. And I do think the the loss of those matches uh, is going to hurt the attendance there uh, and maybe make it not as big a show as, as they were hoping for. 
Yeah, it's certainly interesting with OTT having a show on the same day, because it seems like, uh, from I don't know if I'm reading too much into the social media posts, but they're sat on some big announcement that mm-hmm. they're uh, waiting to blow off. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But moving away from progress now, and uh, on to World of Sport Episode 2. I mean, this was headlined by a three-way women's match for the WOS women's title. We had B Priestley v. Viper v. Kaylee Ray, and... I thought this match was uh, pretty decent. Great to see the women headline the show. But again, the show was uh, beset with the same problems we discussed on our episode one review. There were way too many quick cuts, random replays of insignificant moves, and uh, not much in the way of character bios. I mean, Ollie, second week for WOS, what were your thoughts on the second episode? Yeah, I think my patience is kind of running out <laughs> for World of Sport, unfortunately. Um, I might give it one final push this Saturday, but uh, unless, you know, something amazing happens, um, you know, if they <laughs> revolutionize wrestling or something, um, I think it might might be the end uh, for me personally. Um, yeah, as you say, the women's three-way was a good match, but it was just hidden behind <laughs> all the camera cuts. Um, you know, sometimes like 15 or 16 in 10 seconds or something ridiculous like that. Um, and yeah, it's it's a difficult show to watch unless, I don't know, you're on some hallucinogenic drug that <laughs> allows time to slow down and you can register everything more easily. Um, and also the undercard didn't particularly grab me. There was a, a ladder match. And when they did the whole Dario Cueto, oh, I've got an opportunity for you. I mean, any old idiot could see that they're doing they're building that to have them job out to the big lad crater uh next week and that was confirmed by the bumper <laughs> so you know from the start this ladder match had no chance you know all four of the guys were just presented as jobbers as mm. you say no no character bios and you think that's classic itv they love doing that sort of stuff you know, you watch X Factor, and every single second is some someone giving you their sob story. Why? Why is that not happening here? It's just <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it it just gives no doesn't give the casual viewers anything to to sink their teeth into. If that's the the audience you're going after, yeah. Why that ladder match? I think that was the perfect example there, Ollie. The fact that you had currently in the ring, you know, Liam Slater. Who is this guy? You've got Gabriel Kidd in there who. Do the cool dive off a ladder and Robbie X who wears a mask for some reason doing moonsaults and jumping around all over the place and it just it doesn't mean anything if we don't know who these people are and yeah you can say that they gave Gabriel Kidd a, a promo at the end of that ladder match but it was just a very generic post match kind of out of breath promo and um, <laughs> we didn't again learn anything about who he, who he was which is like like you said they're only a big strength of you know whether we, we love it or hate it ITV Saturday Night TV it's built on those kind of background promos and making you care about just ordinary people so you would think it would be an easy job you know this is a show where in the main event they're trying to they're getting over kaylee ray and she did look big time in in some regard in the match but she was just one of three women just coming out for the match she there was no idea of what her real story is you know what her background is it's similar to you know last week you know we talked about british bulldog jr okay that might be a given that you know British Bulldog is, but how much more would you be into it if you knew his story and he told you a little bit about his dad and you got some of that character development? Whereas here, you know, in this main event, Kaylee Ray's just, she won and she looked good in the match, but she could be anybody. B Priestley came out and they, they couldn't, I think she'd literally got a, a head out of the kit and one of the commentators was like, oh, there's, there's B Priestley, she's Will Ospreay's girlfriend. And I was like, but you didn't even explain who Will Ospreay was last week, so... <laughs> 
why are we supposed to know who she is? Uh, and yeah, that combines with all the camera cuts. It just, yeah, I definitely feel a bit more negative week two. Week one, I enjoyed, you know, the fact that we had that Osprey David Smith Jr. match. But week two, it became very apparent. The main criticisms about the camera work uh, and about the fact that there's no real background. You don't get a a second to breathe. They're cramming so much into these shows. I think this is just going to be the run now. This is the product. It's all in the can already. And it's just going to be more of the same as the weeks go on. uh, And there won't be that opportunity to improve on those kind of things. But hats off to Robbie X in that ladder match. He was literally throwing himself around everywhere. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him for uh, going all out. But um, I did notice uh, Sunday Times did an article about uh, this revival of uh, World of Sport, and they had a picture of Osprey uh, in the ring with Kirby, so I suppose that's a match to look forward to. But, yeah, just to uh, echo what you've seen, obviously we know it's not aimed at us, but uh, even if it is aimed at a Saturday night family audience... uh, you know, there could be so much more than what it is. You know, there's great wrestlers involved, but the presentation's really lacking, isn't it? So <laughs> it will be interesting to see where they go, because obviously they taped all these, you know, in, in one block. So is it going to change? Are we going to get some change of presentation? Maybe some... It's funny because a lot of the uh, NGW crew are behind this, and even their shows have, like, uh, yeah, you know, character bios and things. So, yeah, it's interesting that they've not included it in here. I don't know if it's a time thing, because they only got an hour, and they're trying to fit as much wrestling in mm-hmm. as possible. They make the time, don't they, for their other shows? That's the thing. It's like, this isn't foreign for ITV. You know, I think a good example is Rampage. He's supposed to be the champion, and the commentators are talking about his reign of terror. I mean, one, it's been one week. (laughs) And two, there was about a 10-second promo before his match with Joe Henry, and we got no real idea of who he is. We know how good Rampage is, but I don't know who he is in this ITV canon. So, yeah, it's just... Those same problems that we talked about from week one did feel to be very much magnified here. I mean, uh, you've been keeping track of the ratings, haven't you, Benno, for episode one and two? And uh, are the execs at ITV going to be pleased with uh, the ratings for episode one and two? No, I don't think so. I know that after week one, after we recorded our, our special on post, they were they were pimping the fact that they'd done, I think they said it was a 1.2 million peak. Uh, I'm, I'm, John Lister's been doing a lot of reporting on this, mm. and he was saying he couldn't find that number anywhere. As far as he could tell, the peak was about 1 million. And were, I think they, they worked out that altogether, maybe 2 million people separately watched at least a minute of the show but the real figure was 937,000 for the first show which I kind of heard that number and thought oh, that's okay it's lower than the pilot which is uh, definitely a warning sign but there's somewhere to go from here and then this episode two has taken place and maybe the reason we're being so more critical of it than we were for week one 609,000 people um, and apparently that's for the full hour if you if you pull that down to just the bits where the wrestling was going on it was less than 600 it was five, uh, 580k um, as far as the ratings go and that's a that's a real dip. Um, I've seen, you know, John Lister himself and other people have reported that it was a bad night for, for UK TV in general. Um, ratings were down. I don't think uh, Japan Demonium did very well that night either. Uh, but it, it does, it's not a positive by any means. That is a big drop from week one. I think it tells you that maybe that there were people willing to watch week one who just didn't stick around for week two whether it was the camera cuts whether it was the character stuff whether it was too much or not enough wrestling uh people haven't stuck around for week two and it does make me concerned for week three it could always bounce back um but yeah the pattern's not looking particularly good right now yeah like you say that is a big drop off isn't it so it'll be interesting to see what the rating is uh for episode three but uh moving away from the uk now and um 
WXW, and it's been a while since we uh, checked in with the German promotion, but uh, some big things have been happening recently, haven't they, Ollie? Specifically, a Walter V. Pete Dunn match? Yeah, that was a big deal for them um, as part of their sort of relaunching Shotgun, essentially, after their summer break. They got a new video package, new intro for, for Shotgun, and they're sort of trying to make it more of a big deal um, and a reason to subscribe to WXW now for that weekly show. Um, making it look better, they're filming all of it in one place. I, um, I, it's not in how I forget which city it is in, unfortunately, but it's it's all sort of coming from the same location, so it's sort of the same product every week, and you know what it looks like um, from an aesthetic point of view. And part of that is giving away this big match, Pete Dunn versus Walter, and obviously Pete Dunn hasn't he he actually had a date um last year for wxw in december and he that he wasn't actually allowed to be shown on vod because of his ww contract clearly the rules have changed since then and he is fighting against walter and they actually ran an angle after the match it was a very good match um but pete dunn was very much in sort of um exhibition mode for it um and he actually picked up the victory rolling through um a walter gojira clutch and pinning him while in the clutch which was very creative um and then they ran the angle where Ilya Dragunov got ran in to to save Walter from a beat down by Dunn and uh three of the goons sort of <laughs> a lower mid carders in WXW of Juvenile X um who's been trying to impress absolute Andy more on him later and a couple of other guys um and Ilya Dragunov chased them off you know um shook hands with Walter and you know they're trying to, they're drawing a, a battle line between WXW and Progress um building up that Pete Dunn versus Ilya Dragunov match for Progress but um it WXW have a lot to gain from that match because obviously Dragunov hasn't had any dates in the UK apart from with WXW um but he's about to do Bola and obviously that big Progress match will be at a focal point of Wembley so WXW is sort of Top top babyface is getting a big push in other promotions, so of course they're going to big it up um, because then they hope more people will come to WXW after seeing Dragonov how good he is. Um, so it definitely makes sense for them to push that. Um, also, the show was building up the shortcut to the top, which hasn't dropped yet, but um, happened this weekend and will be up on WXW now. Excellent um, mic time from Absolute Andy and Ilya Dragunov building up to the title match, which Absolute Andy won by winning 16 carat. Um, you know, the, the Absolute Andy character, it's very memeable, like it's very funny, but also, you know, he can really turn it on and feel significant and feel like a real threat mm. when he wants to. Um, and I think all, all plaudits go to WXW for creating that character. You know, he is, he, he's, very good for the twitter numbers <laughs> but like he's such a character you can so invest in like everyone knows a man like that and just how frustrating they can be so it, as a top heel it's gonna be very exciting to see what absolute andy can do and i'm interested to see his match with dragonov and then of course the shortcut to the top event which has happened so spoilers i'll be revealing the result in five four three two one <laughs> warning bobby guns was the winner of a shortcut to the top. He lost his shotgun title match earlier in the night, uh, but he won the <laughs> won the, the Royal Rumble-esque match, and well, that will earn him a title shot against the new champion, Absolute Andy. Um, yeah, it's a big move for Bobby Guns. He's had a hell of a year. Um, he's come from kind of obscurity on that roster. He had a, a ton of great matches, starting from around this time last year, all the way through getting beaten up by 
ring camp, but earning their respect in the process, winning the shotgun title, having great matches for that, um, especially with Mike Bailey at Carrot. And he's done such a good job of boosting his name, creating that mega popularity with the Irish contingent. Um, and now they've rewarded him. Looks like they're going to be pushing him up further towards main event status. So big up Bobby Guns. It's very exciting times. I've actually sort of not been watching WXW for a couple of months. Um, you know, they went a bit silent towards the end of their last tour, but they've come back with a bang, definitely, with Shortcut to the Top and that excellent shotgun show. Well, yeah, it certainly seems like there's tons going on there, but the main thing that jumped out to me is, like you say, this uh, great job they're doing uh, building up the uh, Pete Dunn v. Ilya Dragunov match for uh, for Progress for Wembley. Interesting that, isn't it, Benno? Yeah, the, again, like we said, it's Progress aren't doing the... I mean, the, the, I think the the CMJ segments with, with Pete Dunn have been really good, but, yeah, I think the majority of that build seems to be happening over in Germany. And obviously there's the, the combined shows coming up as well. So, like Ollie said, they've got a, they both, both sides have got an, an interest in, in building up the, those things. I know a lot of people are, are traveling over to those shows, uh, as well as Tag League later in the year. So there is a lot of crossover of fans as well. So there's certainly benefit to, to both sides to doing it. But yeah, interesting that uh, it does sound. I've not uh, seen much of a, a shock on the, the last few months, like Ollie said, with them being on the break and then, and you know, now trying to finally get into things, I am desperate to to see that see the match, to see Pete Dunne in there, and to see, to see the match with Walter. But yeah, uh, I do think that they've got something good going on over there, and if if it helps expose WXW to Progress fans and the other uh, way around as well, uh, I do think it, it's worthwhile doing. So yeah, kind of kind of interesting that they're doing the majority of the builds, but I, I can understand it as well from uh, WXW's point of view. They've got uh, tickets to sell for their Progress tour as well, so it's kind of kind of good to see uh, two promotions working together in that way. Yeah, definitely. But um, moving on to uh, some WWE UK news now. Obviously, um, they held their first NXT UK event in Cambridge on the 28th and 29th of July. And we won't really go into the results from the show, as it seems that these might turn up on the network in some form. And they're going to be holding their next event in Birmingham on the 25th and 26th of August. And, uh, I mean, we've talked on the show before about the fact that Red Pro and Defiant aren't allowed to use any uh, NXT UK talent, but it, it seems it doesn't stop with just these companies. Southside Wrestling, who someone we haven't really discussed on this show before, they run events in Nottingham and Stevenage, and uh, they released a statement last week saying that WWE had pulled El Ligero and Joseph Connors from their uh, their show Retribution on the 19th of August. They've also noted that NXT UK competitors are no longer allowed to work other shows a week prior to uh, their own NXT UK shows. And Connors and El Ligero have appeared for Southside for years now. They've always been a major part of their uh, shows and their storylines. So obviously this is a huge blow to Southside. However, there's a, there seems to be a number of other events being held the week before the NXT UK shows in Birmingham featuring WWE talent. I mean, mainly the uh, OTT WrestleRama show headlined by Jordan Devlin and Walter. And they haven't announced uh, any talent's been pulled from their show. So it doesn't really quite add up here, really. I mean, do you think that WWE are just pulling talent from Southside shows or, or what this seems to be the uh, thing here? Well, as we know, there are no restrictions on where talent can work. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's it's certainly interesting to see how it pans out. I think they'll definitely be a little bit shook from uh, Travis Banks getting injured. Um, and obviously, there's there's restrictions in place against RevPro and Defiant. So maybe the net will start to be getting cast in a little bit. 
And yes, it certainly sucks for the South side because they're, you know, big into Joe Connors and El Leguero. They're like their two main guys in terms of UK guys. So it will be interesting to see where it goes and where exactly the lines are drawn. Um, it may, it was probably going to be done case by case, but yeah, certainly less, more restriction than people were perhaps expecting or exactly the amount of restriction people were expecting, depending on how much you trust the big man pool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, though, it is, it's understandable, isn't it? If you're WWE and you've got a, as I think the Travis Banks injury is the catalyst for this. And if you've got a wrestler who you're planning to use on your tapings, getting injured on an indie show, you, you know, you might want to try and put in some kind of way of protecting yourself from that happening. Uh, whether this is the best way to do it or not, I don't know. But also it's a question of whether it is really happening. You know, you mentioned there, Martin, that the wrestlers do seem to be getting announced elsewhere. It kind mm. of, I don't. I mean, with Southside, uh, I mean they could well have been told this by WWE, but and it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that WWE've got one rule for one promotion and one for another. Oh, We've seen that already yeah. this year. Um, but yeah, I think it's if if that is the case and it and it is going to start happening, I think it's. Although there are many negative, sorry, many positives to WWE coming over here, and you know the, the ITV stuff happening, and the fact that British wrestling is on a is on the on a big platform worldwide, and people get to see our wrestlers, and our wrestlers are getting paid work. That's all the positive stuff. It's just the the indies a little bit further down the chain who get bit by stuff like this or get in trouble for trying to book WWE guys versus ITV guys. Uh, and again, you know, the smaller indies might well find themselves WWE being a bit more selective on on whether they can use their guys or not. So yeah, as much as you know, we we talk about the the glory of it and the fact that the wrestlers are getting paid. It, there are these negatives that will affect. And there's only there is you know there's backup talent and there's. There's, you know, there's layers of, of wrestlers in the UK, but it does only go so far. And again, Hartles go out to a, a company that, you know, like what Southside were doing here, we were built into a big match and a couple of weeks out get told that they can't have that big match anymore. It's a, it's a hard one to explain to their fans and uh, it'll be a concern and if it does continue to happen elsewhere. Yeah, it's certainly a story that we'll uh, be keeping an eye on as uh, WWE continue to roll into the UK. And uh, <laughs> moving on to... Uh um, the, we've got a few weeks remaining in August, and it seems to be a very busy month. We have a lot of high-profile shows. Uh, Red Pro are hosting their annual Summer Sizzler event at the York Hall in Bethnal Green on the 17th of August. I mean, this is a stacked lineup. We've got El Soberano Jr., sorry if I butchered his name, the Teton. Uh, we've got Walter taking on Tomohiro Ishii. We've got Killer Elite Squad taking on Aussie Open. David Starvey, El Fantasmo, and uh, the blow-off of the big feud between Dan McGee and Josh Bodum. I mean, Ollie, this is a, certainly a very interesting lineup for uh, one of Red Pro's premier events. Yeah, Walter versus Tomohiro Ishii is obviously a massive collision. Um, you know, <laughs> Ishii's just four days removed from the G1 and he has to go in there against Walter. <laughs> um, oh, he certainly won't be smiling anymore. Um, but yeah, that'll be a fantastic match. And the show definitely looks strong further down. Um, they're certainly trying to bolster that CMLL uh, partnership that they've got being part of the whole New Japan Ring of Honor Um you know, conglomerate of wrestling, the sphere of influence. Um, and yeah, yeah, getting those boys in, they could do something very, very exciting on that, on that show and something we haven't really seen much of on, on these shores. Um, one CML talent who probably won't be there though is, uh, Sam Adonis. <laughs> we'll mm. probably go into, uh, the gory details of what happened with him over the weekend. 
I mean, obviously, that's Southern News. While we're talking about Red Pro, they uh, held one of their monthly cockpit shows this past Sunday, and uh, yeah, a very controversial incident happened after a match between Chris Ridgway and Curtis Chapman. Um, you just mentioned him then, the American wrestler Sam Adonis, who he's appeared for a number of times in the UK. I think he's uh, done a lot of like all-star tours and stuff like that, and he obviously does a pro Donald Trump gimmick in in Mexico, and uh, came out and cut a promo using some really awful homophobic insults and obviously this doesn't go down well with the crowd at all who chanted please don't come back and uh, turn their backs on on Sam Adonis and his promo and obviously Red Pro promoter Andy Quilden came out apologized to the crowd or obviously quite upset hearing this sort of stuff on a wrestling show in 2018 and then uh, a couple of days later Red Pro released a statement essentially saying that obviously they hadn't instructed Adonis to say these words in his promo and uh, they want everyone to feel comfortable at their shows and then they also went on to say that Adonis uh, was was going to appear at a number of other shows uh, but all his future dates with them have been cancelled and the footage of his promo won't be appearing on their on-demand service and uh, Adonis also issued an apology via his Twitter account. I mean, uh, Benno, there's obviously no place for anything like this on, on a show in 2018, is there? Absolutely not, no. Um, I, I, it's, it's one of those things where... You go to a wrestling show in 2018 and you shouldn't be sitting in the crowd and having to deal with something like that. And it, mm. it just, it sounds like, I mean, I wasn't there, but it sounds like Rev Pro dealt with it as swiftly as, as they could. I've seen them come into criticism with some people. I think there's a very, there's a loose argument of, well, when you book a wrestler with that kind of character, what do you expect? But you, I mean, I can't imagine that the, the owners of Rev Pro, that Andy Quilden or anyone else working there expected him to go into business for himself and to, no. and to level those slayers of fans again in this, you know, in the year 2018. You just would not have expected it. And no matter how much leeway to, you give to a wrestler, you wouldn't expect them to yeah, go against your trust like that but i would say yeah rev pro within i believe it was a match or two uh they were out uh, they were apologizing on twitter they were apologizing in the building andy quilden was apologizing on the way out and they are recording today they've released a, a statement as well um apologizing for it and you know they maybe went a little bit far in in it in the apology mentioning that you know these aren't the real views of the of the the rest of the man these are the views of, of the wrestler trying to pay a character even though he made a mistake i just think it, it, even if you are playing a character uh, there's absolutely no excuse whatsoever but mm. rev pro were clear they're not going to be booking him going forward it isn't the start of an angle and they were you know the adamantly multiple times apologized to anybody that was offended or affected and the crowd in the building so I really don't know what else you can expect from any promotion put in this situation. And I do think they handled it as well as they could. It's just a, a real shame that it happened in the first place. Yeah, definitely. But um, moving back on to more positive things, uh, Fight Club Pro are going to be holding uh, three consecutive shows in London at Bush Hall on the 28th, 29th and 30th of August. This is entitled Project London. It features British strong style Will Ospreay, Chris Brooks and uh, if he's back from his shoulder injury, Travis Banks. And uh, they're also going to be hosting six training seminars in the daytime in London. I mean, this is a huge lineup for uh, Fight Club Pro here, Ollie. Yeah, obviously. Um, they've run London a few times um, for the DTTI tournament. Um, but yeah, going all in on making these shows a big deal um, and obviously getting Daisuke Sakamoto in as well <laughs> is a very big deal. Um, and, you know, he's only been over here, um, I believe, once before um, for that show with um, 
it bereeds. <laughs> um, so I forget. XWA is against it, Keith Lee, yeah, wasn't XWA it? XWA yeah. is the one. £7,000 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I was a mark for and bought before it went down to 20. Um, RIP me. Um, but yeah, like that's obviously very, very exciting and he'll fit into the FCP, um, feeling, um, the FCP brand very, very well. Um, and yeah, if you've never seen Sakamoto before, I highly urge you to to go and get as close to him as possible as he screams his head off doing crazy power moves. Um, so those shows could be very exciting. We don't have any matches yet for them, and I don't think FCP know what matches are going to be either until about half an hour before they begin. But I mean, whatever they come up with, it, I mean, Fight Club Pro is always a lark live. So yeah, if you're in London, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, really up then, they've got a, a fourth show to add on to that. Um, obviously, they've announced Daisuke Sakamoto, the eighth rule of Fight Club, and that'll be on the 31st of August at their usual home of the Starworks Warehouse in Wolverhampton. So that's four shows in a row, three in London and uh, one in Wolverhampton. And, um, I mean, Benno, would you like to see Sakamoto face off against? I mean, the ideal is Walter, isn't it? Mm. But I think Progress WXW is happening around that time, uh, over that weekend. So mm. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, maybe they'll go with Tyler Bate. I think that'll be a, a fun dynamic if they can get Tyler Bate for that weekend. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I am very tempted to make the trip. I think I'm going to wait to see uh, who it's against. But yeah, we, we, Walter was my initial hope and those dreams were crushed. So I don't know. I think Tyler Bate's probably a, a good plan B, unless mm. there's maybe another import they're going to bring over or maybe they use someone like a maybe trent maybe pete dunn um but yeah it'll certainly be interesting to see what they do it's uh it's these big lads coming over here they're all uh all the rage at the moment so i'm excited to go to see walter ishi and yeah daisuke being over is a a big deal as well so yeah it's kind of cool they've done it i've not been to fight club pro in uh, a good few months and uh, this is definitely something that's got me tempted Mm -hmm. just interesting to see who they put him against and a couple of last bits. Defiant, they're going to be holding their show stacked on the uh, 26th of August in Manchester. That's going to be headlined by a first-time match between Will Ospreay and Walter, so that's something definitely to look forward to. And uh, and just before we head out of here, Riptide Wrestling, um, the Brighton-based promotion, held their championship tournament the other weekend over three nights on the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of August. Um, this show also featured former children TV presenter Dave Benson Phillips <laughs> teaming uh, with Session Moth Martina to face <laughs> off against the anti-fun police. And I've been reading some live reports from this show, and it seemed like a very fun comedy match. I mean, Dave Benson Phillips' name won't be known to our international listeners, but he was a staple of children's TV in the 90s as the host of Get Your Own Back, a sort of kid's uh, game show where uh, kids got to gunge their school teachers. I mean... Ollie, I mean, we'll definitely be talking about this once uh, it's Riptide on Demand. Do you have uh, any fond memories of Dave Benson Phillips? Yeah, I, I landed exactly in, in his prime, I believe. <laughs> um, and obviously, uh, the, gun, the, the gunk dunk was obviously a, a staple of my early childhood. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all in on Dave Benson Phillips, and I have been wanting to watch a Riptide show for a while, so I think I'll probably buy that show. <laughs> um, apparently, you can just, like buy items for Dave Benson Phillips and he'll turn up like he's got like a wish list in, in lieu of payment so he'll right. he's up for doing basically anything so <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, wrestling was probably on like his to-do list or something um, yeah. and yeah <laughs> he obviously has like his traveling gunge tanks um, as his business so <laughs> interesting man that Dave Benson Phillips I, I urge anyone who's never seen Get Your Own Back to go look it up on YouTube because it's a very fun show 
definitely. Yeah. I don't know how well it hold up these days, but I think uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a great show. And he's kind <laughs> of a, a for, like you said for international listeners, they might not know who he is, but he's definitely a bit of a legend. He's no relation to me either, unfortunately. He's a different <laughs> Benson, but yeah, it's just kind of I I, I saw that as the news came out, ripped out. I just looked at it and thought. I, ITV missed out here if they were going to try oh, yeah. and yeah. get some celebrity tie-in you know we, we we talked last week about how bad celebrity wrestling was but yeah Dave Benson <laughs> Phillips if he was on this world of sports show maybe those ratings would get saved eh? um, but great for Riptide great to get a bit of attention on them before they go on a, a bit of a break and yeah definitely something the, the photos of him and Session Moth Martina looked hilarious I can't wait to uh, to see what they did with him yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing that match. But um, yeah, before we head out of here, head over to postwrestling.com for all the other podcasts and shows. Ben has already noted, John and Way have done audio reviews of every single night of the G1, so uh, really fantastic shows. Check those out. I mean, we're going to have another show out on Friday, an interview with Dan Richardson. Some folks may know him as a uh, Dragon Isu as, uh, when he was wrestling, but he's also the booker behind What Culture Pro Wrestling, Defiant Wrestling, and he's also been a consultant on uh, World of Sports, so very interesting uh, views he has on a lot of things going on in British wrestling so be sure to check that one out and of course head over to the forum at forum.proswrestling.com and leave us your feedback for the show and uh, Benno you've been doing a number of shows on the IndyCon recently yeah we've been doing uh, weekly G1 recaps uh, obviously if you're uh, following post wrestling you should definitely check out John and Way's daily shows they're the professionals but we've been uh, <laughs> doing a bit more a bit more of a lazy schedule weekly check-ins with how much we hate Tamatonga and how much we hate Jay White uh, you can check those out over at theindycorner.com we've got one coming Wednesday and one coming Sunday as well so yeah uh, keep an eye on the Indie Corner feed for that and um, I know everyone hears this ad nauseum, ad nauseum rather on other podcasts, but please, um, you know, wherever you listen to the show, leave a star rating and some feedback. So if you enjoy the show, it'll mean a lot to us. And uh, we will catch you in two weeks' time.